0: This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is the New Hampshire News Recap. Let's get into this week's stories. Top national Democrats beginning to meet today to decide which states should lead off the 2024 presidential primary. What could this mean for our first-to-the-nation pride? And new numbers from the New Hampshire Department of Education show an increase in enrollment at the state's public charter schools. At the same time, the trend of declining school enrollment overall continues across the state. Joining us first is NHPR's senior political reporter, Josh Rogers. Good morning, Josh. Good morning, Rick. So, Josh, tell us what the meeting of the, the Democratic National Committee aims to do. What's the point of this?
1: Well, this is a meeting of the Rules and Bylaws Committee of the DNC, which, among other things, is uh, in charge of sorting the party's presidential nominating calendar. Uh, it's been considering changing that calendar for some time. Uh, these changes were supposed to be announced in August, were put on hold until after the midterms. Uh at issue really is the voting of the first uh, states in the in the in the primary sequence uh, until last night the big question was really would the DNC kind of bless the traditional place of Iowa and New Hampshire at the head of the queue now the the big question is will this committee and then the full DNC endorse President Joe Biden's proposal which would put South Carolina which is uh perhaps coincidentally the first primary he won in 2020, uh, first in line. Uh, Biden is recommending South Carolina go first, New Hampshire and Nevada vote next a week later, then Georgia and Michigan in the following weeks.
0: Well, It's no secret that many of the party would like to see, see states with more diverse populations get the nod to go first. They've been talking about this for a long time. How likely is it, though, that this, this is going to happen?
1: Well, I, I think it's very likely that they get their wish on that front. The exact uh, final proposal is unclear. Maybe what President Biden uh, proposed, it certainly is stated goal of his. It's been a critique of New Hampshire and Iowa for for some time, uh, that there really isn't the diversity in the electorate that reflects the Democratic Party nationally. Uh, You know, in his letter to the Rules and Bylaws Committee, uh, President Biden stated pretty plainly, he said, quote, we must ensure voters of color have a voice in choosing our nominee much earlier in the process and throughout The entire early window and, you know, similar arguments have been made by DNC members throughout this process. But, you know, the 2024 calendar, which is kind of really what we're talking about now on the Democratic side, Republicans do want to leave the the early states in their places, won't be set until the full DNC votes next week. But, you know, just because the DNC mandates a calendar doesn't necessarily, you know, make it so.
0: Right. I mean, state law here in New Hampshire says it would have to go anyway. Right. I mean, will New Hampshire likely hold its early primary
1: as, as scheduled? Well, certainly uh, state law requires New Hampshire to proceed any similar nominating contest by a week. So the Secretary of State's bound by law to set a primary date one week before whenever South Carolina or whatever state ends up going first by the per the DNC would hold its primary. Um, so that's almost certainly going to happen. New Hampshire will be, quote, first. But you know, for Democrats, it will likely mean the primary wouldn't be sanctioned by the national party. So, what does that
0: mean exactly? What does that mean for the candidates? What does that mean for the party? Well, How do they
1: handle it? I, I will find out. I mean, delegates awarded to candidates from New Hampshire might not be recognized. Maybe New Hampshire's delegation doesn't get seated at party conventions. Maybe candidates who choose to run here in defiance of of the calendar set by the DNC uh, would lose DNC data on voters or not be able to participate in debates. Uh, there are a lot of things that could happen, but. You know, it's worth remembering that the immediate upshot of this thing in 2024, uh, a lot of that depends on whether Joe Biden seeks another term. Uh, If he does and doesn't face any real challenges, incumbents tend not to, uh, you know, then Democratic primaries will be muted everywhere. Uh, Ultimately, what matters is whether candidates consider New Hampshire their first voting state if they don't see New Hampshire as a place they should need to compete in. That's a real problem for those who care about the primary here, but we won't really see the implications of that should Biden's proposal take effect until the run up to 2028. And, you know, do Democratic candidates come here, court supporters and ways activists expect, you know, in the meantime, expect Democrats in New Hampshire who care about the primary to point out our law and to tout our traditions and argue? And I'm quoting Senator Hassan last night, said we will always hold the first in the nation primary and look forward to welcoming Democratic and Republican candidates to to New Hampshire, just like we always have. So we'll see.
0: Okay, There's, them's fighting words, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Back here in Concord, Josh, orientation's been underway for new members of uh, the New Hampshire House. What's that been like? Especially with the, you know the nearly divided balance—you've got Republicans holding 201 seats, Democrats 198. Still a race yet to be resolved. What's what's been what's been the mood at the well, state house?
1: Uh, you know, the, the mood's always upbeat at this time of year. Excitement about what's to come, a sense of possibility, you know, opportunities and challenges, that kind of thing. But, the, you know, the the parity uh, hasn't been the way it appears to be now in, you know, 80, more than 80 years. Uh, so there's a lot of uncertainty about how things are going to end up sorting themselves. Uh, the election of the ne- next House Speaker, which will take place next week, is going to be interesting and, like, pretty much... Everything else in the House this year, attendance uh, could be decisive in deciding whether current Speaker Sherman Packard gets reelected, or you know, it's possible that that a Democrat could get could get elected. Depending, Matt Wilhelm is the Democratic nominee. That's not outside the the, the realm of possibility given the count in the House, and um, you know, we'll see.
0: Okay, safe to say a big priority though will be crafting a new state budget. Um, how will this balance play out as as the governor and lawmakers are doing that?
1: Well, I can't say I really know. I mean, at legislative orientation the other day, I was talking to uh, Stephen Smith. He's the current deputy house speaker, and he told me what he's telling all incoming Republicans is to try to make ten Democratic friends because that's what it's going to take this year to pass anything. And you know, I want to see if that sort of dynamic affects budget work. Will there be coalitions that make differences in terms of policies? I mean, budgets often end in partisan votes, uh, you know, but we're a very, very long way from the end at this point.
0: Yeah. NHPR's senior political reporter,
1: Josh Rogers, thank you. You're welcome, Rick.
0: This is Morning Edition on NHPR. We're recapping this week's news. What questions do you have about what's going on in the state? You can always email us and inform our reporting at voices at nhpr.org. New numbers from the New Hampshire Department of Education show an increase in enrollment at the state's public charter schools. Yet this growth comes as the state's overall public school enrollment declines. And HBR's Sarah Gibson has the education beat and joins us now to tell us what this means. Good morning, Sarah. Hey, Rick. So, Sarah, overall public schools in New Hampshire have been seeing less students each year. How long has that trend been going on and Why?
2: Yeah, so it's been going on for at least 20 years at a rate of of about 1% each year, and most of this is basically due to demographic changes in the state. We are aging in New Hampshire, there are fewer people of childbearing age, and those who are uh, are just having fewer kids. And so there are also though other dynamics at play uh, as many people probably recall. Uh, during the pandemic, at the height of the pandemic, there were a lot of schools that were hybrid, a lot of um, you know, COVID-related measures like masking, concerns about COVID spread. And in the 2020-2021 school year, there was about a 5% drop in enrollment. That's significantly higher than, than usual. Um, that was because more parents were delaying school, just not sending their kid to kindergarten or homeschooling or sending their kids to private school.
0: And what does this all mean for school districts? How does that affect you know budgeting and, and planning?
2: Yeah, so schools. Get state aid based largely on how many students are enrolled there, and when their numbers decrease, they still have fixed costs that don't decrease, like heating and transportation, and you know all that good stuff. So um, there is a concern about decline in funding based on enrollment Uh, in the state budget. There's been some kind of mechanisms to cushion schools a little as this decline happens, but at the end of the day, school districts could face budget shortfalls if they don't cut costs essentially at the rate. Of of declining enrollment,
0: and I know as you've reported, you know charter schools, which which are public here in New Hampshire, are seeing more student enrollment. What are the reasons for that?
2: There are a number of reasons. So there's been a 14 percent increase in uh, in the last year in, in charter school enrollment. The charter schools in New Hampshire are opening and expanding every year. And that's thanks in, in large part to a, a big federal grant that came into New Hampshire a couple years ago with the goal of increasing the number of charter schools here. And um, and then there's also been an increase in enrollment in a couple of the existing schools that had already been opened. Uh, schools like the Founders Academy, which features classical education and also Wyndham Academy.
0: Sarah, if much of that growth of charter schools is the result of federal money, are we likely to see more growth in charters in the state? I mean, what happens if those those grants go away?
2: Well, the grants are going to go away as of now. I mean, it's it's a it's a time limited grant. We have a couple more years to go, and the goal of the grants isn't really to sustain charter schools. It's it was for startup costs, things that you know could could really keep a charter school from expanding or starting, like. Uh, buying a building, making sure it meets fire and safety codes, those kinds of things that can um, be a huge hurdle for groups that want to start charter schools. Um, and there is a concern I've heard from charter school leaders and from lawmakers that that charter schools are historically quite financially precarious that even if they get this startup funding, they don't have the kind of consistent the same level of consistent support from local taxpayers as traditional neighborhood public schools do. um You know, they basically get their their annual funding from a mix of private donors and also state aid some some local taxpayer dollars as well for special ed. And, uh, you know, if they get the attention of wealthy board members and donors, they're good to go. But otherwise, it can be a real struggle to keep these charter schools open.
0: Sure. So what can we make of the trends here, these these latest numbers?
2: Well, I think it's fair to say that more students are taking advantage of school choice options as school cho- choice options expand. But it's not that dramatic. Um, and it's really just one of a myriad of reasons why there are fewer students in public traditional public school now than there were, say, five years ago. I mean, a large part of that is still demographic. And that connects to stuff we've reported on at HPR, like the housing shortage, the workforce shortage. Uh, And it's certainly something I hear from school leaders that, you know, our enrollment is shrinking not because people don't like public school, but because there just aren't younger families with kids who can afford to move here. Mm -hmm. So it really is so linked to other larger questions in New Hampshire around migration here and whether or not people can afford to live here.
0: Absolutely. All right. NHPR's Sarah Gibson, thank you. You're so welcome. You can find more of her work and that of Josh Rogers as well at nhpr.org. And by the way, if you missed part of today's segment or if you want to catch up on previous weeks, you can find the New Hampshire News Recap wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're here next Friday with more on The Recap. I'm Rick Anley and this is NHPR.